0: 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, somewhat of I believe a familiar passage of scripture and the Lord gave this to me last night and as I've said I've certainly uh, had some trying moments recently but I'm thankful that God is faithful and uh, he knows us, he knows that we're but dust, that we're but flesh and he pitieth us and I'm thankful for that because I need all that he's got. This is down to one bar. The other one blowed up, so we'll see how we do here. I want to read this, and uh, let me say I appreciate the fact that Willie chose to go to church somewhere while he was gone for a while, but, uh, and I'm not knocking the church he went to, and someone there may see this or whatever. I don't know if they do, then hopefully they'll learn some truth, uh, but I want to read What, how they say to become a part of this. I'm not going to name the church. Uh, The church that he went to was a Baptist church. This is their profession of faith. And I want you to listen to this. So this means that, means to believe and receive Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. In addition, bearing testimony to this decision by asking for baptism membership in the church. This involves a repentance from sin, Romans 3.23 which means a choice to change your lifestyle to obedience to God. Does so anybody see anything wrong with that statement? Well, there's, that's the beginning of the problem with it. You don't change your lifestyle to obedience to God. That's nothing more than turn over a new leaf. That's, that's works, that's work salvation. And again, and I told Willie, I was going to read this, and I said, I'm not knocking him. I'm thankful he went to church. He just picked a church and went to it. If you want to hear, if you want to experience some things, try not to miss our church too much, but go to some other church. And accept, number two, an acceptance of salvation through Jesus Christ, which means believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that's true. Here's another problem, though. An acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord or Master of your life, which is a commitment to study his word and obey his commands, you study his word all you want to, you're only going to obey his commands all you want to, but you're still not going to be born again. There's one thing here that's like She's fine. She's fine. And lastly, bearing testimony to your faith by joining a church and being baptized. Glad to get you wet to wash you off every now and then if you need it cleaned. But the problem with that statement of faith is there's no, what I read there, there's no mention of repenting of your sins for salvation that god calls you and you answer that it was all choices you make and it was works and we know that that just doesn't do it but anyway i just want to share that with you and it'll go in somewhat to this message first peter chapter 4 verse 12 is everybody there amen, amen. that's all stand for the reading of god's word if you're able to honor the reading of god's word stretch your legs just for a moment I won't be real long. I'll try to be, get through this, but uh, this is something that God, like I said, give me. Uh, certainly he was speaking to me. Verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If he be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are he. for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them uh, that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Father, we thank you again for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for everything that's been said and done. God, we give you glory for it. We give you thanks for it. Father, help me as I preach this message. Holy Spirit, I pray that you guide me, that I preach exactly how and what you want me to. God, I want to be truthful and honest, and I want to be encouraging you know, all at the same time. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you lead me and guide me in the direction you want me to go. Speak through me your words. I pray that people hear and they see you. In Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. May we see to Now, as Peter mentions this, if you read uh, this, you see in verse 12 ends with an amen. So there's a a change of thought here. There's a change of subject somewhat. And again, uh, the chapter didn't break here. It doesn't mean that the subject completely changed, but the chapter broke in other places. And and let me say this. uh, Even though sometimes I think that maybe it would have been better if the chapters was broke here or there, I believe God ordained where they were broke, and I'm not going to criticize them. Uh, God really doesn't care about my opinion, nor does he care about yours, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, But here in verse 12, a a verse that I think we need to learn and probably become more familiar with is these passages of verses. When he says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So much of the time when things happen in our life, when things come our way, we think it strange. And to us it is strange, but the Bible says don't think it's so strange that this is happening to you. And let me say this. Uh, There's a difference in God crucifying us and Satan killing us. Both have the same result. We're both dead. But they have different, uh, uh, different purposes, different value system. Thank you, brother. I had to get a drink. I was dry. Scott Matthews, and I will forget that your preachers with cough drops cause the dry mouth syndrome. I suffer from that too, but I'm, now if I preach with a cough drop in my cough drop in my mouth, somebody would get drilled along the way. <laughs> anyway, Satan kills, uh, kills to destroy, and God crucifies to resurrect. You, you got to understand that, as I said, you die in both, but one is for the good, and the other is for your hopelessness. Satan's desire is to absolutely annihilate you and I, to destroy us. He wants to kill us so that we're useless for God. You've got to realize just how much he hates God and how much he hates us. He tried to overthrow God and show God who was boss and that he was big and bad, and God showed him who was in charge. And I believe when he showed him who was in charge, I don't think he played around with Satan either. I think he grabbed him by the nap of the neck, and I think he got in his face go with me. I think he got in his face and said, don't you ever pull a stunt like that again and slung him out of heaven and Jesus said, I held Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I think it was a thunderous event and I think when he did, all the angels that believed Satan went with him I think he gave them another good swoop as well and out they were gone. Now we know that Satan is here and he goes, he's in heaven. He, that is where he basically is pretty much all the time because he is there to accuse you and I. He's there to stand beside uh, the Father and say, look what they just did, look what they just said, look at this, look at that. And he, uh, he's there to try and his ends to annihilate us. Satan hates and God loves. And you gotta get a hold of that. Yeah, the reason that God did not kill Satan is because God gives life. Satan takes life. Amen. And here I wanna preach you just for a few minutes on some thoughts Uh, that God give me and I hope it's a help to you, it has been to me. In verse 12, as I've already read that, there's strange things that happen in our life. They seem strange and we can't wrap our mind around it. We don't understand why this is happening. It doesn't make sense. And sometimes God's trials and Satan's trials do not make sense. They have different intentions and different purposes. They can sometimes be one and the same. They can sometimes be together. Sometimes God's trials are there to better you and I. Satan comes along and tries us with temptation. God does not try you with temptation, but sometimes you'll be tempted in a trial that God is giving because Satan wants to tempt you to fail that trial and try to get you to quit. And if he gets you to quit, then he won't quit. That's when he turns up the heat. By the time that you really get down and you're discouraged, that's when he really wants to go to work. But we see that it is his goal, verse 13. Uh, the Bible says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may, uh, may be glad also unto exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. And I want to say that word reproached means to defame." To rail at, chide, taunt, and 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 braid. So it means that somehow it said if you be reproached for the cause of Christ people taunt you they chide you, they laugh at you they make fun of you but the Bible says that we're to be happy for that because God rests on you because you are being reproached you are being suffering for his name he suffered for you and I and when you suffer for him you are being identified with Jesus thank God we have the chance to be identified with him we need to think of trials a little bit different sometimes when they're strange Number one, Satan's trials ruin you. God's trials repair you. You and I are broke down. One of the uh, purposes of basic training in military is to break you down as a human and build you back up as a soldier. You may not understand it at the time. I didn't go through it. Uh, sometimes I wished it would have. Sometimes I'm glad I didn't. But for those that have been through basic training, they will tell you that. You had to become a soldier. God is trying to train us to be soldiers. And sometimes he must break us down to get the things out of our life that are hindering us and in the way that can cause Satan's trials to ruin you where he wants to rebuild you. He wants to repair you. And we got to allow him to do it. How does so... When we look at these strange trials, don't look around and say, why is it not happening to others? Why is it me? Why am I going through this? Instead of just asking yourself that, ask God that every now and then. I actually ask him all the time. And say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And sometimes we suffer because of our past. You've heard me say that. That is not chastising. That is reaping what you have sown. And trust me, friend, I got some weeds growing as well. I wish I could cut down some of my trees that I have planted throughout my life that I that I have sown that I am now reaping. I wish the fruit would dry up, the tree would die over and fall, but it's not going to. It just keeps growing, unfortunately. But I thank God that I've also got some trees planted. I got some vines growing that God has invested in me and I in Him and the seeds that He has planted through me. I thank God I can look back and there's something I can grab onto and think this may be strange, this may be trying, this may be tough, but I thank God I've got Him and He's got me, He's using me, He's refining me, He's repairing me, and He's got me going in the direction He wants me to go. I will come out victorious because of Jesus I will win. I thank God I've got a God that loves us enough to do that. He says, For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you I don't know a better place you could be rested upon than God resting on you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. In other words, God may be evil spoken of, but he's glorified in you. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. <laughs> Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. I'd hope to. I dare say most of us at times suffer because of some of these things here that's mentioned. He don't mention a whole lot of things, but I'll be honest with you, they cover a pretty broad spectrum. When he says murder, I don't think he's just necessarily talking about sometimes when you actually have to take someone's life. Our heart, sometimes in our heart, if we could take someone's life, we probably would. I believe the Bible, under grace, calls that a murder. Because the Bible says if you hate a man, you basically have murdered that person. Right. You know, the same as. Because under grace, under the law, you had to be guilty of the act. Under grace, it's here, friend. Amen. And there's times we get angry enough and mad enough to people that we could absolutely choke their head off sometimes if we could. Hey. Verse 14. Let me read this again because that goes to number two as well. He said, if he be reproached with the name of Christ, happy are we. Number two, Satan's reproaches are for doom and gloom. God allows reproaches for his glory and honor and our delight. Let me read it again. Satan's reproaches are for doom and gloom. God's reproaches are for glory and delight. Do you know that God delights in us? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to submit ourselves to him and give full assurance to him. Listen, all of us are gonna sin. That doesn't make it okay. You should strive not to. You should do everything in your power not to sin because let me tell you, there's always punishment. There's always death. It never pays to sin. It will always hurt. It will always defame. It will always embarrass God. It'll embarrass you. It'll embarrass the church and everyone in your life. We must learn to turn from sin and do our best to live a clean, holy life before God. So if I'm reproached and if I'm trialed, it's for his glory and not for my wrongdoing. I don't want to suffer doom and gloom because of my sins. That's what Satan wants. He wants to get you down and say, look what you've done now. Look how bad you messed up now. God won't forgive you for this. Man, this consequence will never go away. You've done her now, buster. God is mad at you. Look what you said. Listen, you've done this. Hey, am I, am I near you? Yeah, because he does me the same way. Do you know that God delights in us? I'm tired of Satan's lies. I'm tired of his deception. I'm tired of his bumblings and mumblings. And all that he wants to do to us and the suffering he wants us to go through, his trials are to ruin you, God's trials are to repair you. Satan's reproaches are for doom and gloom, God's reproaches are for glory and delight. If we would only delight ourselves in him, how much better it would be. And we read verse sixteen again. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. There's times it's not easy to stand up in the face of this world, in the face of all the things that's going on, and say, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, and, I, and get made fun of. It is probably worse as in, when you're a kid in school. I'll acknowledge that, no doubt about it. But you know, as a grown man, I've been on jobs where I told someone I was a Christian and I was honored about it and I didn't hide it and some people to that day still laughed and made fun of me. I had a sticker on the front of my heart that said, I love Jesus. I put it there so I could just go ahead and put a lot of the comments and stuff behind me. One day a boy looked at me and said, who's that Jesus you're talking about? He was too stupid to figure out I could have fired him on the spot for anything I wanted to at that moment. I wanted to, but I didn't. But No matter how old you are, no matter what walk of life you go through, somebody is going to reproach you and give you a reason to try to be ashamed of Jesus. Don't ever be ashamed of Jesus. He wasn't ashamed of you and I. You realize he hung on a cross naked, beaten for you and I. He's not embarrassed of you, and thank God I don't want to be embarrassed of him. I don't want people to say, well, I don't want to stand for God one day and say I was embarrassed to tell people about you, Jesus. He said, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Verse Verse 17, He said, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. But if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Let me explain to you a little bit of what's going on. I'm just preaching to you some thoughts. And not really going in a lot of detail about the explanation of this scripture. But I'm hoping you're getting something from it. I don't know, it'll help me. but But we must first judge ourselves. And God will start judgment here at the house of God before he will outside. He wants us to act right. If we're not doing these things he just mentioned, then where do you think judgment is going to start? God expects us to live right. God expects us to set the example. God expects us to stand strong. God expects us in the face of adversity, in trials, and when strange things happen to still be able to stand up and say, I trust you, Jesus. I've got you, Jesus. And he's got me. And I know where I'm going when I leave here. I know who holds tomorrow. I may not have a bite to eat tomorrow. I don't know. But I know who's got a hold of me. And it's him. It's Jesus. Jesus, he's all I need. So you and I must stand sometimes in the face of trials. He said, if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? We know what it is, it's destruction. Verse 18, it says, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Let me try to explain something to you. Let me slow down just for a second, and and I won't be much longer. Do you realize how close you and I are to hell? You understand? Let me, let me get your attention just for a minute. It says if we're scarcely saved, that means this exactly what it sounds like it means. There is no, pre, no uh, private interpretation. There's no big secret bomb here I can drop. It's not there. Do you understand that, what it took to give us salvation? And you and I, even with salvation, still disobey God on a fairly regular basis. It's only because of him that we're saved. Your works, your prayers, your good deeds does not keep you saved and does not get you saved. And yes, God is pleased when we do right, but it does not gain you any favor as far as him loving you anymore no matter how you act. Although I recommend you do what he says. It's in your best interest. And think about the billions of people who never hear the gospel? Do you start to see, and think what it took to bring us salvation. Do you start to see how close you and I really were to hell? When you realize how many billions will never hear the words Jesus Christ. And then you understand how many millions through the centuries has heard the words Jesus Christ and said, no. No. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner, and unrepentant, appear? They're going to before the great white throne of judgment, and they're going to be there. And they're not going to have an answer. These people that says, "Well, I'll hold my chest out and hold my head high, and tell God I've done my best," and I said, "No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll bow before Him like you've. I said, you'll want to crawl down in a ditch somewhere. You'll want to bow so low to Him. I said, there's not going to be one." It's not going to be there. Saying before God at that day will be worse than being in hell Amen. according to the way I read the Bible. And so it's no wonder that, that Peter, that God through Peter is telling us, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to trial, you as though some strange thing happened. It is strange sometimes. I think it's strange that calls, God calls some people home when he does. I think it's strange that some people get sick the way they do. I think it's strange sometimes the way things happen in people's lives. I think it's strange sometimes when someone has a job that seems like there's never any relief from any hope or help what they go through every day for weeks and months on end. I think sometimes those things are strange. But my Bible says, don't think it's strange. God says, I've got a trial here to repair you to refine you. Satan says, I've got a trial. I want to destroy you. I want to absolutely annihilate you. Is his goal. And a lot of times, they're together. They're wrapped in one. Sometimes God sends a trial and don't think Satan's not there to come along and tempt you in some way and say this isn't a trial. Life is over. God is punishing you. If God loved you, this wouldn't be happening. And on and on he goes in your ear. Uh, am, I, am I the only one? I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Verse 18 again. If the righteous scarcely be said, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as it to a faithful creator. How much have we really committed to him? Number three, God wants us to trust Him. Satan wants us trampled under Him. Hmm. There's a big difference. Now, <laughs> when it feels like sometimes that it can't get any worse, and sometimes it does, every person in here. Look, listening to me right now or whoever watches this on live stream or hears it on the sermon audio, whatever, whatever one's listened to it, will feel like they have been times in your life that it can't get any worse. And you feel like as an individual, it's worse for you than anybody else. We all feel that way. I mean, you, you go through those moments and, and you think, and then Satan will start showing you people that's not suffering like you are Man, I tell you what, they, they're not eating cornbread and, and pinto beans. They're eating steak, praise God, or whatever it is you like. Praise God, they had macaroni and, uh, macaroni and cheese at their uh, family picnic, church picnic. They didn't have all those nasty salads that I'm going to preach against until my lungs explode. Y'all tell, y'all see one of my, my pet peeves in life right there, by the way. I better move on. Can I get an Amen. I bet all these kids would amen me too. Um, But Satan wants you broken. You know when you trample something or somebody underfoot, do you understand what that means? In the the Bible, there's places that it gives the picture, and this is the picture that it gave Jesus with Satan. It's as though he put his foot on the throat of the enemy. A king would do this when they defeated another king. When one uh, uh, civilization or one certain group of people defeated another, the ruler of the king would put his foot on the opposing king and say, you're defeated. That was the ultimate display of defeat. And that's what Satan wants for you and I. And when he gives these trials, and the Bible says God tells us over and over and over and over to trust him and over. No matter how strange it seems, no matter how bad it gets, and no matter how you think that your life is over, that this is the end. I'll never see the light of day past this trial. This has no ending. This has no hope. There's all darkness all around me. There's nowhere to turn, and I've got no way out. God, where are you? He's right there. And this is about the time Satan's sometimes ready to put his foot on our throat, I believe that's when God steps in and says, ah, that's enough. That's enough. My trials come to repair them, resurrect them, and restore them. Satan's trials are come to destroy and to absolutely trample us underfoot. He wants you dead. If he can't kill you physically, he'll do his best to kill you spiritually where you don't come to church you know there's people that came to this church when I started maybe my preaching caused them not to come back I can't knock them, I don't know but they were coming they're longer in this church they're not in any other church either there's people that I've talked to I'm telling you if all the people that I've heard say they used to go to this church if they would all come we would have people outside around the parking lot so many people I know I used to go I used to go. They might as well look at Satan and say, You won. The only time you throw in the white towel in the Christian walk is when you throw it to God and say, I surrender. You never throw it to Satan and say, I give up. Don't let him have that. God says, Trust me, trust me, trust me. It's not easy, it's dark, the waves are boisterous. Life seems impossible. Sometimes the pain in your body won't go away. Sometimes the confusion that comes from what's going on just gets worse. Sometimes the bills aren't always paid. Sometimes those that we lean, lean on rely on the most. seem like they can't help us. We're limited in what we can do. We're all going to leave here one day, whether by rapture or by death. None of us is going to stay here forever. And It seems like God takes those we care about the most. It seems like the most inopportune times sometimes. But you know something? There's no good time to die. That doesn't exist. But there's a perfect time to die for God. And I say, I'm trying to quit. I'm rambling. I gotta hurry. I gotta quit. But listen, no matter how strange it gets, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how bad the wind blows, no matter how much the storm comes, no matter how deep the flood is, just trust him. Trust him. Don't take your eyes off of him. Trust him. Because the moment you start trusting in yourself, that's when Satan comes along and says, now I go to work. And that's when he'll start trampling you underfoot. His desire is to absolutely destroy you and I. And I'm going to be honest with you, there have been times I've given him enough. I've allowed him enough time in my life. I've given him too many opportunities to bother me, to trample me, to kick me, that I'm down instead of getting up and saying praise God, glory to God thank you Jesus what you did for me thank you for loving me, thank you for encouraging me, thank you for helping me thank you for saving me, thank you for giving me hope beyond this world thank you providing for me, thank you for giving me a church to go to, church family to support, and a church family to go to church with, thank you for loving me, thank you for knowing my name for putting me in the Lamb's book of life thank you for all the things we could thank you for over and over and over and over Thank God for the breath in my lungs. Thank God for the shoes on my feet. Thank you that I've got a whole closet full of clothes. I've got a vehicle to drive. A lot of people never care about the gallon of gas because they'll never own a vehicle to put it in. You and I have it good. Thank God we're saved. We've always got something to thank him for. And and listen, the next time Satan comes along and says, isn't it strange that God's doing this to you? Yeah. Satan, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on that point. But I think it's more strange to listen to you than it is God. And tell him take his lies and pedal him on down the road with somebody else. Trust him, trust him, trust him. No matter how strange it gets, trust him. Some people that nearest and dearest to me in my life right now are going through trials and things that I don't understand, and I think it's strange. It doesn't make sense to me. But I'll say this, and I've done. i promise but I, I've never been able to make sense of salvation. Have you? Rex reads and studies almost more than anybody I know. He actually is smart. <laughs> and I, and I, a lot of things I could ask him, and he's got answers to. I know people who have studied the Bible. I mean, I would say they were scholars, and I've asked him, does it not seem, salvation not seem strange? It does to me. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Don't it seem strange that a perfect God who's never sinned said, this is what I expect you to live up to, and you don't? He says, oh, because you don't, I'm gonna destroy my son for you. That seems kind of strange to me, don't it, you? But thank God he did it. And sometimes it may seem just as strange what's going on in your life. Sometimes it's because the one verse I read, what we've done, our sins, or disobedience or not listening to God and sometimes it's just a trial that either A is there to uplift you restore you and repair you resurrect you or B it's there to absolutely trod you underfoot to annihilate you usually they're together if they start out separate it's not long before they're together Every day of your life, Satan is studying you. Every second of your life. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you ticked off. He knows what what you like, what you don't like. He knows what works and doesn't work. He's got 6,000 years experience on us. So we're not going to figure it out. Quit trying to say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you a God that gave his only begotten son for you and I, I'd say we could put some trust in him. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how much you just want to scream sometimes, just trust him. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, I, I know this was kind of thrown together in some ways. Lord, this is what you laid on my heart. God, I, I thank you for it. God, it may not have made sense to anybody else, but God, it sure did help me. I thank you for it, Jesus I thank you that you loved me, that you died for me, that you gave your life for me, that you bared it all for me, that you held back nothing, that you gave me eternal life. And when you held nothing back of yourself, you also didn't hold back the gift that you give us. You gave it all to us. And I thank you and I praise you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us, you direct us. Lord, no matter how strange it may get sometimes, I know I can still trust you. Our finite minds, Lord, we're so limited. God, we don't know what's going on. We like to think we do, but God, we don't. We can read in your word and get some idea, but God, realistically, in the grand scheme of things, we don't get it very much of the time. But God, you sure got it. So Lord, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus, your sweet and holy and precious name, I pray. And God, if there's anyone tonight that needs to do business with you in any way, shape, or form, encourage them and give them the confidence and the courage to come to this altar and pray. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, we get a song. If there anything.